Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. North Carolinians have borne witness to many once unimaginable developments in law and politics in recent years, and last week they saw yet another one at the North Carolina Supreme Court. It happened when the court's newly elected Republican majority announced that it would rehear two important decisions handed down just months ago on the subjects of gerrymandering and voter ID. As one justice noted in dissent, this action constitutes, quote, a radical break with 205 years of history, unquote, when it comes to respect for precedent. So what were these rulings about? Why were they so important? And what happens now? Earlier this week, I got a chance to get the answers to these questions and some others of great importance when I sat down with the Southern Coalition for Social Justice senior voting rights attorney, Hillary Harris-Klein. Welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us. Thank you for having me. Last fall, as it usually does near the end of the year, the North Carolina Supreme Court handed down several rulings on an array of issues, some momentous, some sort of routine. But last week, there was a pretty remarkable development with respect to two of those rulings, both of which involve your specialty, of course, voting rights and democracy, in which you've been involved. Talk to us about the Harper versus Hall and Holmes versus Moore cases, what's happened with them, and why this is potentially pretty important stuff. Sure, absolutely. So in December of last year, the court issued two tremendous and wonderful rulings for voters. The first in Holmes v. Moore, which struck down the latest voter ID law as racially discriminatory. And that was affirming a lower court panel after a trial, finding that this law was racially discriminatory and motivated by that when it was enacted. So the Supreme Court affirmed those factual and legal findings in December. In redistricting, the Supreme Court also issued an order on remedial plans. This followed a February 2022 decision in which the court held that partisan gerrymandering is unconstitutional under North Carolina's constitution, that voters are protected and under our constitution to have equal voting power, notwithstanding their partisan affiliation. And after that February court ruling, the court said, go back, draw remedial plans. That's what happened. And in December, the court said that the remedial Senate plan was still a partisan gerrymander, told the parties to go back to the drawing board on that, and affirmed other important holdings that had been held in the earlier February decision. In January, recently, the legislatures in both of these cases petitioned the court to rehear those matters. Um, And we argued, at least with respect to the redistricting decision, that we argued in a motion that that petition for rehearing was made solely based on a change in composition of the court, because, of course, some justices left and new justices joined uh, following the 2022 election. It's a pretty big deal, right? This is a pretty remarkable set of circumstances. It's very unusual for, first of all, a lot of us have in our head the whole notion of established court precedent. We think about the Roe versus Wade decision being overturned in in the U.S. Supreme Court, but of course it stood for 49 years. It's a pretty remarkable concept that we would have important decisions handed down by the highest court in the state, and then the parties to that who were involved with those decisions would come back just a matter of weeks later and say, let's do that over again. Is is there anything new in the arguments that that, that Republican lawmakers have advanced in either of these cases? We believe all of the arguments that legislatures are bringing now were fully considered and rightly decided by the court in December. 
as to your point about this being unprecedented, Justice Earls and her decision points out that in the past 30 years, rehearing has been granted just twice in the mm -hmm. past 30 years. But here you can see the court in a, at this, on the very same day issued rehearing in two matters. And again, the arguments that legislative defendants have put forward in both of those cases, uh, we have asserted are absolutely not new. They were fully considered. All of the facts at issue were considered. And rehearing, petitions for rehearing are really meant to provide parties an opportunity to come to the court if some crucial statute was completely overlooked or some crucial fact was completely overlooked by the appellate court. And that's just not what happened here. Let's dive a little bit more into these cases and just make sure that our, our listeners understand what we're talking about. So Holmes versus Moore is the case that had to do with voter ID. This was the situation where North Carolinians had adopted a constitutional amendment. Then the legislature came in and adopted a statute that was to implement that constitutional amendment. A challenge was brought saying, hold on, we may have a constitution change, but this law, this statute that was passed to implement that constitutional amendment still violates other fundamental constitutional protections. I think that's basically a fair summary of the case. And then the Harper v. Hall case is the one about gerrymandering. This is the idea that it's unconstitutional under the North Carolina Constitution to be gerrymandering legislative maps for partisan purposes. And is it for partisan purposes or is it because of its disproportionate impact uh, on a racial uh, grounds? It was on partisan grounds. In Harper v. Hall, the court held that you can't deny voters equal voting power just because you disagree with their political affiliations. And you can't do that by gerrymandering lines to reduce the voting power of voters who have political views that the majority who's drawing those lines happens to disagree with. And that's related to a topic that's before the U.S. Supreme Court right now out of North Carolina. Am I right about that, the whole issue of partisan gerrymandering? That's correct. Um, there is currently an appeal before the federal Supreme Court, um, which is considering whether state courts can even weigh in on congressional maps because congressional maps have to do with federal elections. Right. Um, the legislatures have made an argument that the federal constitution essentially cuts state courts and state constitutions off from providing any protections to voters when it comes to federal congressional maps. We have, of course, argued vigorously that that is absolutely not the case. The text, the structure, the history of our federal constitution completely contemplates that state courts and state constitutions will provide protections to voters when it comes to even federal elections. Uh, that matter is still under consideration with the Supreme Court. The arguments for that happened in December. We're talking with Hillary Harris-Klein, who's the Senior Counsel for Voting Rights Voting Rights Program at the Southern Coalition for Social Justice. We've been talking about these cases in which the state Supreme Court has taken this extraordinary action of granting rehearing. The other case I want to just clarify also for our listeners, the voter ID case. Can you remind our listeners what were the facts that the lower court found that demonstrated that, in fact, the, the law still discriminated against African-American voters? In Holmes v. Moore, we showed definitively that the procedure by which the legislature took in enacting that voter ID statute absolutely showed a discriminatory purpose, that that voter ID would have a disparate impact upon particularly Black voters, and that there was no legitimate reason for having that disparate impact. Uh, we also showed that this latest voter ID, importantly, 
was part of a broader context of the legislature trying to enact voter ID before. And of course, a prior voter ID law that was part of an omnibus bill happening in the mid 2010s uh, was struck down by the Fourth Circuit as also being racially discriminatory. So it was part of a longer pattern of practice, uh, trying to essentially close off access to the ballot by voters of color. But now here we are. The Supreme Court has taken this extraordinary action. I gather it's March. They're going to rehear this in March. Is that what happens next? A hearing has been set for mid-March. That's correct. I guess the hope is that it isn't decided that by granting this rehearing that it's still at least conceivable that the court could still listen to the arguments made by folks like you that that there's nothing to see here. There's no reason to reverse those decisions that were handed down in December. We look forward to advocating and showing the court why the prior decisions were absolutely right on the facts and on the law. And we look forward to having that opportunity in the briefing that's been ordered by the Supreme Court. Do you have any concern? I know that Justice Morgan sort of alluded to this in his dissent in one of the cases that this sort of sends the signal to voters. If we really start going down this road, it sends the signal really to all uh, North Carolinians that perhaps our courts are acting almost more like a legislature than they are like a uh, like a judicial branch. The idea being that just because you've had a change in who's on the court, that all of a sudden the court can hand down completely different decisions. That's something that we've resisted in our judicial traditions in North Carolina and really around the country. I take it that's a concern that some people have, that this could be establishing really a, a new and very dangerous precedent for how our high court operates. It definitely presents that risk. You know, our rule of law and the laws that we are subject to should not oscillate merely because the composition of a court has changed. This doctrine of judicial precedent is really at the core of our system of government, and it's been something we've relied upon for centuries now. And I think that it absolutely does present a risk to that and to our broader system of government If legislatures think they have free license to ask a court to change its decision just because the court has changed in composition, that absolutely presents a risk to our system of government. Hillary, how can people learn more about the work that the Southern Coalition is pursuing in this realm, maybe even help out or join in your efforts to speak out on these issues? Folks can uh, go to our website, southerncoalition.org, to learn uh, more about these issues and how they can get involved. Hillary Harris-Klein is the Senior Counsel for the Voting Rights Program at the Southern Coalition for Social Justice. She'll be following these very important issues and be participating in defending these decisions that were handed down in December when they go before the state Supreme Court again next month. Hillary, thanks for your fine work. Keep it up, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you later this spring. Thanks for having me. Coming up next, a look at some of the steps state leaders should be taking to improve the health of North Carolinians. Stay with us. Stay with us. 